This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform, and I am here with Dr. Susan Kleiner, which if you have been following the Eat Perform podcast for a very long time, you know, we, we used to do a lot more. Um, we haven't recently. Part of the reason why is just because both Susan and I are busy, and, and I'll go ahead and take the bullet for that one because I've just been crazy busy, especially with Eat to Perform Kitchen, which will be an interesting conversation also, by the way. Oh, um, yeah. And because uh, Susan was one of the first people to try the meals. And um, and now that we're, you know, a month and a half in and almost 2,000 people have bought the meals, um, it's been a real wild ride in a very short period of time. So, Susan, why don't you um, walk people through uh, both your credentials, how they, you know, stuff that they can consume from you, but also um, mention the book that we're going to talk about, because I think that that's going to bring up some interesting topics in the next hour or so. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here. Great to see you again and your new kitchen. Um, <laughs> So uh, I'm Dr. Susan Kleiner. I have uh, a PhD in nutrition and human performance. I am a registered dietitian. I'm a founder, co-founder of the International Society of Sport Nutrition, a fellow of the American College of Sports Medicine, a member of the National Strength and Conditioning Association and the American College of Sports Medicine. Um, I have been doing sports nutrition for um, more years than most of my clients have been alive, <laughs> although my clients are aging with me. And uh, uh, starting out with uh, starting the first full-time program in the NFL with the original Cleveland Browns and when Bill Belichick had his first head coaching job there in Cleveland, Ohio. And I've worked in the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, MLB, uh, NBA, WNBA, EA, uh, NWSL. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's been my great pleasure to work with Olympians, pros, and everyday athletes, as well as the general public who just wants to be healthy and fit. Um, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Power Eat. What you'll find is my that I love to bake with whole grains. <laughs> uh, mostly, or the fun hikes that I do. You can find me at my website, drskleiner.com, D-R-S-K-L-E-I-N-E-R.com. I've written books, uh, a legacy of uh, a book called Power Eating that is now in its fifth edition and called The New Power Eating, as well as a book called The Good Mood Diet and many, many others. Um, it's just great to be here. So I would say that for eat performers, um, new power eating is ultimately what started the relationship between Susan and I, because it was like, yeah, you've been talking about this for 30 years. What does the current technology look like? That's that's what our project is, right? Mm -hmm. So so if you're an eat performer and you haven't bought new power eating, you definitely should because it will have the core of what we're talking about so which was so great when you started each to perform kitchen and i got the meals because 
Well, for so many reasons, um, you know, starting with let's look at the nutrition profiles, very hard to find um, the combination of things that you have. Number one, a really great emphasis on protein, um, really well done vegetables. Wow. Like, like the vegetables are as if you just cooked fresh vegetables. I just don't know how they're doing that. <laughs> but um, that's probably an outstanding characteristic. Um, they're tasty. Uh, there's a good variety, you know, and, um, and I think the convenience is totally worth it. They're fresh, uh, easy to order online, um, great delivery service. So, so I think for the person who doesn't cook at home, you just don't cook, or um, you know that some number of days a week you're not going to be able to cook, uh, and you find that you are looking for uh, prepared meals from somewhere else, this is a great way to know exactly what you're consuming. They really, there's no extraneous ingredients. There's no junk. It just is clean food that is as advertised that meets the needs of your plan. And yeah, what, what I think, what I, not to interrupt, but, but what I think is nice about it is that there's a lot of programs that are similar um, or, or at least they think they're similar that are really diet food, right? And this isn't diet food, right? It's, it's it, now every time you eat it, you know that you're having a healthy meal. Like that's the one thing that strikes me every time I put a fork in my mouth, it's like, oh my goodness, this is, this is a healthy meal I feel good about putting in my body. Um, but it's also tasty, right? Um now, I will say the one thing that is interesting because this, you know, was coming up a lot, a lot um, before the store ever happened um, was that the, um, are you going to have a lot of sodium in the meal, right? Because that is something that is a big concern to a lot of people. Yeah, because it's hard to do reasonable sodium and then also have good taste. What I think, I'm actually a really picky eater, Susan. Um, and so I, 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 for the longest time ate like a kindergartner. And once I, once I became healthy, my palate opened up to a lot more flavors and things of this nature. But what I think that's nice about it as someone who tries to keep sodium within check, um, is that the, the flavors come out, right? Because of that. Right. Like when you have something that's just loaded with sodium or loaded with fat, you know, um, there's a lot of extra calories that you don't need. And then also there is the sodium or spices can overpower the meal. You never see that in an each warm kitchen meal. Right. And so right. so right. that that's something that the things that you call spicy. I do not have a palate that likes uh, capsaicin or that heat. I love flavor. Your spicy foods, I was like, I saved those kind of for last because I thought, oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to like this because it says spicy. It's not. I almost want you to no. put 
a descriptor on there saying flavorful spicy, not heat, not, you know, um, because they're not, there wasn't, you know, I have to say, I don't recall exactly. I definitely had my favorites, but there was nothing that, that was like, oh, I'm not going to finish this at all. And as you said, it was frankly, for me as a sports nutritionist, thrilling to have full meals. Like it wasn't that, okay, here's this skimpy 280 calorie, you know, appetizer. I mean, what? Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Appetizers, appetizers typically have more calories. I think the one thing, so it'll come up in the discussion, but as someone who is actually finishing up a fat loss cycle, um, that was relatively, well, I wouldn't say relatively wildly successful. Um, I don't know if, if you recall, but basically I worked my calories up to 4,000 calories, um, throughout the summer and, um, kind of on purpose. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be like the example for people, um, but also do kind of a protracted, um, reset of like three to four months, which is, is how we did it. And, um, I would say that there's a few thoughts that I have that I thought could be a little bit more. Um, I'll probably get into that, uh, into some posts on Need to Perform, but it it looks like we're going to land at 15 to 16 pounds in six weeks. So, I mean, no person could complain about that. Um, Before we get into the book, though, I did want to ask you one question, right? So as you're probably aware, I asked for your advice on creatine and we got a lot of people using creatine as a result of that advice that you gave me, right? And uh, for those that don't recall, I mentioned the sodium thing. I had a little bit of a blood pressure scare, all of that's set and ready to go. Haven't had that issue in, in over nine months. It's kind of interesting just saying that people are like, Oh my gosh, you know, but I'm not on blood pressure medication or anything like that. I just am very um, cognizant of uh, sodium in general. And you lost weight. Yeah, I did lose weight. Yeah. Um, so that, that has helped. Um, the one question that I, uh, I wanted to ask, and I really hope that this is the answer or that I hope I get the answer I want. Um, the calculation that I use and recommend to people is basically up to 2% of their body weight, right? So, um, what I mean by that is I think it's important, and this will be a little bit of the discussion that we have as we go into the, to the book. I think it's important to know that there is some weight gain with creatine. Now, whether... We want to talk about the long term and, and, you know, will that weight gain stick and things of this nature. In my mind, if you're taking creatine every single day, you're getting that good saturation so that you're getting the best use of it, you have to mentally add four pounds, right? Like in the case of a 200 pound man or in the case of a 150 pound woman, you have to realize there is going to be more water transfer 
right? As a result of the creatine, your body's going to hold it. It makes it useful. It makes energy more accessible without, without calories, like you mentioned on the one podcast. Tell me what part of that I have wrong. It doesn't happen in everybody. Yeah. Just doesn't. I have both women and men who um, don't experience, have ne never experienced it. It is far more common when you load. I mean, that's really yeah, noticeable right. when you load. Yeah. If you just start with three to five grams a day as a maintenance dose from the get-go, you will reach your threshold levels in 30 days versus in five, six days. If you, when you load, you're, you're a, on a five-day plan. When you're, uh, you, it, it will take you 30 days to get to where you get to in five days when you load, if you just do three to five grams a day. Here's the issue with, with but, what but you're just saying. To, just to say, what's interesting yeah. that when you load that, that hydration benefit um, seems to be more noticeable and it dissipates, right? And over time, you're still on some kind of a plan. If you're trying, if you're going for hypertrophy and you're hoping to gain weight, it kind of, you know, it disappears into the, into the weight gain. I, I, I just need to stop you because, because I get where you're going with it. I understand what you're saying. I think it makes sense for people to understand that. But here's the problem. Every single person, this is what we're going to be talking about here in the next few minutes. Yeah. Every single person is trying to weigh the least amount at all times, right? In my mind, you have to set people up for the fact that they might gain weight. Yes, yes. And so as long as I can set the parameters at 2%, mentally, I think that people are in a better spot. Now, the best case scenario is what Susan just said. You're unaffected. Right. But what I think happens is that people are like, I hope I'm unaffected, but if I'm not unaffected and I gain weight, well, then I'm going to be done with creatine. And I'm like, you're not going to be as lean as you like if you don't have more accessible energy throughout the day without calories. Right. So, so the, the, I mean, it's no different then weigh yourself before you drink a glass of water and weigh yourself after you drink a glass of water. Are you worried about that weight gain? If you, if you drink 16 ounces of water, you are going to gain a pound. Yeah. And people, people don't make, so, so like for instance, okay, so this is a great point. So, now what you just said, well, I'm just going to avoid water now. Right. Right. That's the logic that, that you're avoiding something that is one of the most well-researched supplements, right? That provides you something. If your goal is leaner, if your goal is less fat over time, creatine is going to be favorable, not a direct relationship, 
but it's the exact same as what, what, what Susan just said related to water. You would not avoid water because water. Now I will say this, there is a lot of craziness out there on the internet, Susan. And so people do do extreme water fasting and sure. things of that nature. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 and you know, and, it's and not the weight, weight, but- in, but the, in, in the industries that Susan and I are in, water manipulation is a thing, right? But, you know, I think that that is the best example of what I'm trying to explain to people is, and, and, and a little bit of what we're going to go into. So anyway, long story short, I think that you got your side out. I think that, that we're in alignment on that. What you just said with water, I think is the takeaway, right? Is that just because <laughs> water would 16 ounces of water would make you gain a pound doesn't mean you should avoid water right and so that's really important for people to hear okay so uh susan's reading a book and she was talking to me about it before the podcast and i was like oh my goodness this is the topic of everything going on in each form right now so i'm gonna let you name the the book name the author and then we'll start to get into that a little bit Okay, so this is the book. I don't know. It shows up backwards, right? The joy, uh, it'll it'll the be joy fine. Okay, yeah, the joy fine. choice by Dr. Michelle Seeger. Doctor, I I heard Dr. Seeger present at the University of Washington Sports Medicine Grand Rounds uh, several months ago. I immediately ran out and got her book. She is a behavioral change scientist. Uh, she's at the University of Michigan. She's um, well uh, established and respected as a scientist and investigator on this topic. Um, and, and obviously, is, uh, she's an author of, this is her second book, I believe. And um, her, her research, while, you know, behavior change can look at, you know, it's broad topics of you know, managing your finances and all kinds of things. She, in this book, really focuses in on diet and exercise. And the point of the book is that as long as we are seeking perfection in our diet and our, and our daily exercise, we fail because we are, we say to ourselves, um, I have my exercise plan. My plan is, you know, is I'm going to go out for a run three times a week uh, for a, a, an hour, let's say. I have an hour exercise time. And you're at work and something happens and you can't leave the office on time to do your hour workout or whatever happens, whatever obstacle pops up in your life which happens every day, all the time, <laughs> and, you know, best laid plans. And so then you skip your workout because you couldn't do what you had planned. And so, and instead she talks about the joy choice, what, you know, get rid of that rigid thinking in your mind that your goal is perfection that's really not your goal. Think about what is your goal? Why are you exercising? Why are you doing these things? And any movement forward 
is forward movement. And so could you do a 30 minute workout? Could you do something completely different? She has an example of a client in the book who has to get home, she's late, she's got kids, she's gotta get dinner, she's gonna completely miss her workout. And then she says, well, why don't I just put music on and dance around the kitchen while I'm preparing dinner? And that would feel great, I love that, it would be fun, that's my joy choice. So it's, and, and she has actually, it's not, you know, that sounds super simple, it is simple, but what she's done is she's broken down all of these concepts into a system that you can remember that you would go to, whether it's with your food choices or your exercise and fitness of what, how can you get, how can you work your way past the obstacle to make this a joyous choice? So this is coming up a lot right now um, of what is consistency, right? And what I think think what I think people think of when they think of consistency is they think of, you know, the rock or they think <laughs> of like Megan Rapino or somebody like this that is training for something, right? Like, like one of the things that's interesting about like celebrity diets is that I always say to people, I was like, if you're going to follow a celebrity diet, there needs to be a $20 million payoff. Otherwise you're <laughs> not going, you know what I mean? Like, like people don't understand like the incentive for the rock to do what he's doing is $20 million. Right. So, so he, and, and oh, by the way, he's, will fully admit to you now, $20 million doesn't mean as much to him as it used to. It would mean a lot to you. I guarantee you, you would follow the diet exactly as it is. And that's what people, because $20 million might mean a lot to you. It would certainly mean a lot to me, but, but that's what people believe consistency is. And what consistency actually is, is having life choices that are different. Like I would even challenge the example that you gave because when you make a conscious choice like that, sometimes it feels forced and almost like earning food. It might not be the way that you wanted it to be presented, but I'm just saying like, just to, just to kind of further emphasize it a little bit, I'll give an example that I think is probably um, probably smart for you. And then I'll give you the other example, right? Or you'll, you'll understand where I'm going with it. So one of the things that I do when I'm, so I have a lot of meetings most of the day. And when my wife works at home, she's like, I had no idea, right? That this was you as a person. Um, and what I do is I pace on phone calls. So I have headphones on and I walk on phone calls and I routinely get 15,000 steps before noon, right? So much so this is the opposite, right? So this is the, the opposite of that point of view. So, so one of the things that was happening was, is I would get all steps in, right? And I'm, and I'm making my joy choice and all this other stuff. 
But then what was happening was I was getting to the gym or I would get to pickleball at five o'clock and I was wiped out, right? I already had on my whoop like a 15, 16 strain and I'm exhausted, you know, and I could suffer through it, but I could definitely tell the back half, like if we do like a three hour pickleball session, the back half, my feet hurt, my body hurts, right? Just the cumulative effect of all of that. So that's the only thing that I would say that I wouldn't even think that that's the way the author is necessarily thinking of it. What I think that the author is saying, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you build in these little like Lego pieces of health, right? And as you use those Lego pieces of health throughout the day, it creates a better health profile. But the other part of your health profile is that you can overdo it and it can become destructive mentally. And at that point, you are not making a joy choice. And, and, and the reason why I say that is because it would have been destructive of me to know that, yes, I can probably stay more weight stable and things of that nature but I'm going to end up with overuse issues. I'm going to end up not going to the gym eventually. All of these things are going to be factors into the overall equation. Sorry about the the doorbell. Um, can you comment on that? And then I will try and get rid of the doorbell. Again. Yeah. Oh, so I guess I'm I'm not quite sure what how dancing in the kitchen could be self destructive while she's cooking dinner, um, but the the point because she's choosing to dance in the kitchen to replace the thing that she missed before right like like i think sometimes having that way on you mentally so much that you have to do something there are days that you don't have to do something oh, and you're still consistent yeah and that's that's well in the book, it's quite clear. Um, there's no issues around, maybe today I'm just gonna, gonna take a rest even though it wasn't part of the plan. That's certainly in there. What, what she is, what the, the point of the book is, is the, the unbelievable number of options that we have to choose from when we we don't there's some reason that the plan that we have set for ourselves isn't going to come to fruition so here's my question and i don't know this might not be in the book and it's possible it doesn't need to be in the book but is nothing an option yes yes okay see that that to me because i knew as you were telling me about the book that people have the wrong idea of consistency right. on the day you do nothing or on the day you did rest. Guess what? You did something consistently because your body needs to recover. And right. so, so if you're not factoring in recovery as part of that consistency, then you don't understand the basic idea of consistency. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that you have one day off, you know, I remember, here's a great example. 
So there was this lady at my gym. This was many years ago. And she was saying that she had Dairy Queen once all summer and that that derailed her success. And I was like, I'm not going to get into it, but that did not do it. That did not. That's not the reason. Um, and she wanted me to get into it. I was like, I, I, you know, I'm fine with you thinking that, but I'm just saying that that's such a harsh way to think about success and failure, that that's not how truly successful people that do this do it, right? And, and, the, and the thing for me that was fascinating, well, two, like I said, this is, these are strategies um, behavioral strategies that I have employed with my clients for 30 plus years. She talks about it as part of resilience. Um, and, and I, I just think of it as a way to just maintain happiness, I guess. And, 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 and understand that I am, I have agency over my life. I have agency and and so this this system that she's developed has given um, a, a process and a language that is quite specific uh, to teach it to people, it, you know, beyond anything that I had ever developed, you know, because I was always one on one. You need this if you're going to put it in a book and teach the masses, but Beyond this, it is not just, it's not for your diet and your exercise goals. It's, it's a life, it, when we talk about lifestyle and, and finding happiness and health and well-being in mind and body, feeling good internally, those are the goals on a daily basis and what things do you want to do and so this is this is a mindfulness strategy basically and 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 when you i want to say take that agency to make the choice you you are staying consistent because you are in the space of all that and that is no different than what my most elite, most successful athletes have always used as their training, diet, skill building strategy. It's that they never think to themselves they're doing nothing. They are always doing something, even as you said, it's a rest day. So, so I think the interesting part of this discussion, and, and people need to understand this, like Susan works with high performance athletes right even even if we were talking about everyday people that she's working with there's still a different level of person she's not taking away their food right Wait, never and the reason why it's important is that there is a layer of misery that exists within diet culture and the diet industry that I believe to be very harmful. It's it's the exact opposite of what I believe eat to perform to be. Um, but it brings up this discussion, like like Paul, why this makes no sense that you're bringing this up? Why would why would I intentionally choose misery over joy? And the answer is is because joy takes work, right? 
it's it's much look if we're all being honest with ourselves there are moments within our lives no matter who you are where misery is going to provide you comfort right and and it's that comfort like even you know if we look at grief as an example right grief you know is you're 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 not going to be happy in that moment but it does allow you to sort of process things I think one of the things that that happens and some of this I'm talking about, you know, just through years of psychotherapy and things of this nature is that you can kind of sit in your misery, right? And it provides you a level of comfort where, you know, your you know, your lack of accountability in that instance is comforting, right? Because because that thing did that to you, right? And so like, I, I made a video about this on TikTok the other day and I was talking about addiction. And I was like, we could debate sugar addiction. We could be, debate food addiction. We could debate alcohol addiction. But what we can't debate is that all of those things are not the real thing, right? The real thing is the underlying issues that are causing you to seek that comfort right? Now, in the case of sugar addiction or food addiction, you might just be hungry, right? Um, in the case of alcohol addiction, it might be some, some hole that you have in your, your, your soul. At least that's what I call it for myself, you know, as a recovering alcoholic. Um, but it could also be, I just have to interrupt you. It could be self-medicating because you've got, uh, a biochemical imbalance as well. Yeah, right. But 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 once again, a biochemical imbalance is an actual reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like exactly. like 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 the 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 sugar, the the alcohol, the drugs, whatever it is. It's all physiology. Yeah. Right. But they're 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 just the byproduct of the actual problem, right? And so so you you end up consuming these for the reasons that the actual problem like for instance in the case of you know we could really go deep on this i'm hoping we don't need to but like in in the case of a, a chemical imbalance if you've ever done any kind of real work on that what they don't do is give you one med and then you're done right yeah. it takes a while to figure out and you know what that is it's hard right it's hard to sort that out it's hard and then you go you know it was a lot easier the alcohol right and so 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 what i think happens in the case of of a lot of people that are choosing misery they're choosing misery because it's it's easier to blame the alcohol the sugar the emotions than it is to do the work that I'm assuming we're talking about in this book, where you're building the foundation of all of these different things. It's much easier to say, I am a victim of sugar, than it is to say, I need to build this healthy lifestyle that allows me mentally to be okay with whatever hole I have in my soul or hunger in a lot of instances, right? It's not necessarily intuitive because now if I start eating more to address my hunger, now 
my weight might go up, right? And and the reality of sugar addiction, emotional eating, things of this nature, there's a lot of things that could be going into that. But what you cannot do in that situation is remove food from the situation and say, food did not play a role in this, right? Because food absolutely can cause depression. And I think that I want to get back to the book because I think that the, it's possible that the, the book is a solution. But the thing about books and things of this nature that we all need to understand, it's asking you to do something difficult, right? And at the moment that you're at, you're in a place to do something difficult. You wouldn't have bought the book, right? Like I always say this to people with the perform, you knew. You knew you were under eating, right? That's why you signed up, right? You would have never signed up. You know, you you sat there for two years reading my information on Eat to Perform, and then you signed up because it made sense that 152nd time, right? But you knew, right? Like one of the things that, and I'll, I'll defer to you here in a second, but first week of Eat to Perform, every single person. Oh my goodness. I was in a food prison. You have unlocked my world. Second week of eat to perform. Don't shut the prison door. <laughs> right. 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 right? Uh, like, like, like there was comfort in being trapped. There was comfort in the life that you had built. You built that life for a reason. And until you unpack what that reason is, you're not going to really address it. And so at the end of the day, this is all hard, right? And so this is why we all gravitate to really simple solutions that are ineffective. Well, it's also a belief system that we have been, that the diet world has fed, right? The diet industry has fed a load of misinformation for 50 plus years that the only way you're gonna lose weight is to eat less. And if you eat less, you will lose weight. And neither of those are true necessarily. Um, you know, it may, you may, and so just, just stating that, that it's such an ingrained belief system. Why would you make a different choice? You wouldn't because you're certain that you're doing everything perfectly. Just like the clients that would come into my office and say, I don't know what's wrong. My diet is perfect. I get that so frequently, my diet is perfect. And I'd say, and here you are. Like you're in a dietitian's office. Right. So you thought, like you're saying, somewhere intuitively, you know something is wrong. You didn't go to a doctor, you didn't go to an endocrinologist saying, my diet is perfect. There must be something wrong with my hormones. My diet is perfect. There must be something wrong. Maybe I have cancer and you go into an oncologist. You know, you, you've come to a dietitian, to a nutritionist. And so somewhere, you know, your diet isn't perfect. 
And so yeah. So so what you're saying, what you're saying is actually a key component of being overwhelmed and of being confused, right? Because it's actually better, you know, once again, I'm, I, you know, there's two things that I think are really important for people, but I think you just hit on something that's really interesting. One is we're trying to solve pieces of the puzzle. That's why you go to a dietitian. And then two, there is a component of effort related to either kind of emotional exploring or what you're doing in the gym. I mean, I just had um, uh, a 65 year old woman on one of the podcasts and I, I, you know, she's like, so I want to stay weight stable. And um, I want to know how I can do that. And I said, well, I think that there are three elements to this discussion right? One, there's effort, right? You're 64. So there's going to be aches and pains that are going to start to pile up as you go. If you're going to get to a hundred, we're going to have to say effort at some point, it's going to have to kind of wane. So then we have the other component, right? And that component is food, right? And so if we, if we now have to keep food low because effort is low, right? then we are creating part of the problem because now instead of getting to 100, you only get to 90, right? Because all of the things that hold you, make you stronger, keep you more active, having a healthy life all the way to 100, now you only make it to 90 because you weren't giving your body the nutrients it needed, right? And so what's the logical conclusion? The logical conclusion is that you have to have a number about 10 pounds higher than the number that you have right now. And she's like, huh, right? Like, I never thought of that, you know? And I think that when you start to really break it down into the simplicity, but when you go to a dietitian, what people think, and actually I did, I will, I will say this. Because I just need everybody to understand that all dietitians are the same. Okay. I was talking to a dietitian, and she said to me that if somebody's eating 1,100 to 1,200 calories, they will lose weight. And I said, Are you saying to me that you've never seen data that shows the opposite? And, and she says, I have never seen that data in scientific research. I said, that's not why I asked you, right? Because scientific research is a whole different arena. I said, I want to know if you've seen millions of points of data that tell you that what you're saying is true. And are you saying that there's never been an instance where there have people been eating 1,100 to 1,200 calories and can't lose weight. And, 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 and she kind of she gave a little bit of leeway there that she could possibly be wrong, but for the most part, she had dug her heels in. And the, the simple fact is, is that there is abundant data that shows this now, right? And to suggest because this is this is how the diet industry victimizes people, right? Is what they do is say, 
this solution works. Here's the scientific data on why this solution works. And so if it's not working for you, clearly those four goldfish that you had or that Dairy Queen that you had that one time, that's the reason why you're failing. Because of course it's not us, right? That's not how a real dietitian works, right? That's not how a program like mine works, right? Because at a certain point, you are looking at, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to affect things. And then are we getting the results that we want, right? And sometimes the results that we want have to sort of change. If you want to go be 140 and go down to 120, is that a want or need? Is that the most helpful solution for you? Is that the solution that's going to get you leanest over time, right? Because it probably isn't. Right. And then now all of a sudden your hormone hormone profile naturally shifts, but you're also naturally shifting it into the negative because you are you can't ignore that you put yourself into this. And that's how people get into that prison and can't unlock it. And so the the in 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 working in this field for all these years, as you said, when I work with serious athletes, whether they're Olympians or they are just general public, but serious recreational athletes, their goal is not a body weight. If there's a body weight um, part to what we're trying to accomplish, it is because there's a purpose to that body weight. It's to enhance performance, two reasons, either enhancing performance or making weight to be able to compete at all. And so in, in a weight, you know, a required weight kind of competition, whether it's boxing or it's rowing, you know, you have, you're a lightweight rower or whatever. So the difference with everyone else is that we've made the body weight the whole purpose. But yet, if you actually sit down and talk with people and ask them, which I know you do, why do you want to lose weight? And why is that your goal weight? When you find out it's because I want to lower my cholesterol levels, or I want to, you know, control my diabetes, or I want to be able to get down and up off the floor to play with my grandchildren, or I, or I want to run a half marathon, or, 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 you know, and even looking better. Aesthetically, any, any of those reasons are, or feel better, you know, are, are measurable changes that your body weight goal, as you're saying, may not be consistent with. You've just attached a goal that the diet world has told you is the ultimate goal for anything you ever want to accomplish in your entire life, including writing a successful novel. And so, so drilling down into 
why do you want to lose weight? What, what do you want to accomplish? What's the real goal can, can open up the myriad possibilities of what you can actually do with your diet, with your exercise, opens the door to so much that when you say, I need to weigh 120, period, end, shuts the door not only on all most of your options, but also may shut the door on the goal that you have to begin with. So a couple things. So weight-restricted sport people, I'm on to you, okay? The, uh, all you want to do is diet, right? Because I, look, I can't, I have talked to so many people in this regard. And, and in general, we do try to stay out of this for the most part, but we can be helpful if people have the right mindset. We do have boxers, we do have power lifters, right? But I can't tell you how many people, just like you do, we feed them, right? We yeah. What what happens in the case of so I remember this one person and she was like all I need to perform and I'm going to go a full year. You know, I know that my body needs this and she had just started hormone replacement and things of that nature within 4 months of I'm going to do this 100%. You know, she became a power lifter and had to compete. And I was like, so, so you're telling me that you're a world-class power lifter, that, that you are going to be able to lift more than anyone else in the history of power lifting. And she's like, of course not. I was like, then why does the weight matter? Right. I was like, cause you're not doing this for the right reason. Look, there's a piece of me to perform that has changed drastically. And one of the th reasons why I think it needed to change because we needed to tell people what they needed to hear. And here's what it is. You need to gain weight, right? And it's funny because the diet industry overall kind of puts out this myth that is harming people, right? But people hold me to a standard, right? So they lose 30 pounds doing need to perform. And then now all of a sudden, you know, if they gain five pounds, well, you know, that is somehow harmful. It's like, not only is that not harmful, that's exactly what is supposed to happen, right? Your body just is more insulin sensitive in those moments. We have to get calories back to normal so that you can live that joyful life. Otherwise, you're going to be in prison. So they go, well, you know, I'm going to leave you to perform and I'm just going to go back to under eating, right? So people, when people say they're going to leave you to perform, what, what I said, you know, I jokingly have said this a few times. I'm sorry. So you're just going back to the old days of the Mountain Dew and the, and the eating whatever you want. And they're like, no, no, I just want to eat like more intuitively. I was like, well, let's see how that goes. And what naturally ends up happening is they gradually start to get to that place that it looks like maybe slightly better Mountain Dew and eating whatever you want, right? Or an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Like, and and so, so, you know, I'm not sitting here saying to you, eating form is a solution. If you don't do it, you're going to have an eating disorder. 
But what I am going to say to you is you're going to kind of only have those two options, right? And I understand that it's difficult to gain five pounds when you've lost 30. I totally get that. And then also, just to be completely clear, if you've lost 10 and gained 10 back, that's also reasonable for many of you out there, right? Because if you spent your life since you were 15 years old dieting, there has to be a price to pay for that. Mm -hmm. Now, I am going to tell you something about that 10 pounds that if you're not smart about it, right? If you're just focusing on the scale, we had someone actually was really, really upset, right? And we were almost to the point of talking her out of doing a body fat assessment, right? But she just felt like she needed to, right? Because she gained 10 pounds after losing 10 pounds. And usually 20 pounds is about the parameter. I mean, it's, it's person dependent, things of this nature, right? But in general, 10 pounds is not enough juice for the squeeze in my view, right? You know, like you probably want to be somewhere in that 15 to 20 for most people. Um, like I said, we're not talking about 140 wanting to go to 120. We're talking about higher than that. But she went and did the body fat test and she gained eight pounds of muscle and two pounds of fat. And she was upset about the two pounds of fat. I, I honestly, I was like, if you, if, if, if you could have asked for a wish, you couldn't have wished for better than that. Mm -hmm. This is why people have unrealistic expectations related to all this stuff that makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And they can't put real numbers on it because like you said, they've been victimized by the diet industry and diet culture in general of what reality looks like. An athlete in a sport, when they are weight training, a lot of times out of season, they're trying to gain weight from the weight that they lost within season. For many of them, it's very, very difficult to do. And the reason why, it's not the weight. It's not the way anybody can gain weight, right? You just go to McDonald's, eat 10,000 calories and gain weight. You're trying to gain lean weight. Mm -hmm. That's the hard part, right? And so so, so now we're having a discussion of, of effort and work. So we have to have this full body discussion. And what so I think as we're talking about the joy choice, which I'm going to be reading I think that um, a lot of people that were within Eat to Perform, you know, and as I expose people to all these different ideas, basically, I'm allowing many people to chill out and yeah. ultimately not eat to perform, not need to eat to perform. And that's okay, right? This, this, I think, you know, this does not say you shouldn't have a plan, right? I mean... <laughs> Um, she very much is of the mind that I am, that if you don't have a plan, you know, there, you're not going to, if you have a goal without a plan, it's a wish. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, you know, she's all in on, if you have a goal, you should have a plan, but the 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 plan does not require perfection 
The plan is a suggestion. Uh, it is guidance. And that on a daily basis, to remember what your daily goals are, what, that, that it's the things that make you feel good because that's moving you toward your ultimate goal of being well. And the, and the second is that, um, that anything you do, any choice that you make is, a, is, is forward momentum. And, um, and, and as I said, she has created a system with language that helps people develop that style. And, and it is very much, I think, personal acceptance. Um, it's understanding what our lives are like today. Um, it is how to finally, she says, how to finally achieve lasting changes in eating and exercise. And it's funny because I would put that in quotes because what are lasting changes? The real change is understanding that, that it's not an all or nothing at all proposition, giving yourself grace, taking time, but, but having the system in place where you know when you've got an obstacle that you don't just hit the wall and fall down <laughs> and play dead, right? I have no choice, I'm a victim. You're not a victim, you have a lot of other choices. So there, there's an interesting thing about what you're saying, and this is a core component of each form. And this is, this is the core component since the first second of each form, is build the life you want to have, right? And so a lot of people go, I want to have eight pack abs with veiny, you know, with veins at the bottom of my abdomen. It's like, okay, well, that's great. But now you've built a very restrictive way of living. And I've seen you at the restaurant. I've seen you at the grocery store, right? You want to have food as an ally, as a joyful piece of your life. And if that's the case, those veiny abs are not going to be an option for you. I mean, yeah, if you want to do it once just to see that it's possible, don't be surprised if that harms your relationship with food forever, right? But I know that most of you listening to this right now, you're actually okay with building a life that has joy in it, that allows you to go to a restaurant, that allows you to work out at 100%, right? Think about it this way. If I couldn't change my weight ever again, what life would I build? And I think if you can do that, now all of a sudden you have the, the, the right exercise, but uh, right exercise mentally. But if, if, if all you can think about and your biggest obsession is optimal body composition at all times, things of this nature, you are treading into great harm to yourself, but also the people around you. If you don't think that your children see this stuff, you're wrong, right? And so you have to know that going in, it might not stop you, 
right? You might have a deep, dark place that's that where where chasing the joy is much harder than chasing the misery, right? Um, but I've heard it said multiple ways, but I've never seen anyone hate themselves lean, right? And come out of it whole, right? And and that to me is something that everybody needs to understand in this process, but also understand why am I chasing this misery? Why is this so important to me? And if I was to make a conscious decision, would I chase that or would I chase the joy, right? And I know that we all think we would chase the joy. Just remember, chasing the joy is more work, right? And you know, and, and it's it, just, just to, you know, put some context to this here you've got a nutrition and exercise program that you're selling i'm a nutrition expert and we're both saying you know think a little harder about that weight loss goal <laughs> and that's you know i i i want i i need to bring that to the front like that's what people are selling is weight loss. You in your world, myself in my world, we are the experts at helping people, in fact, accomplish that. And we're saying, think twice about that goal. Well, if, all the time. If that's your ultimate, if that's the only thing you think about as your goal, take it out, unpack it and examine it. So I made a video yesterday that I didn't upload. And this is what I said in that video, right? Because I need to make sure that everybody understands the context of what I was saying. Because I'm, you know, five and a half weeks into fat loss. Like I said, you know, I've lost 13 now, probably going to land at about 15, right? You just can't do it better than that right in six weeks um but in the video what i was saying was i don't get why this is so important to everybody i don't get why you would choose this right and you have to understand what susan's saying there i run a nutrition company right but they've got people that are telling you to diet for six months straight and you're losing like 12 pounds, 10 pounds. I just lost 15 pounds in six weeks. Why? Because I was at 4,000 calories, right? There's, there, there is a math component to this, you know? And then when the math doesn't work, I can't tell you how many people come to me, they aren't having success. We move their calories, let's say 2,600 calories, they're relatively weight stable within three to five pounds and they feel like they're failing. And I'm like, you could not be more successful. Think about the last 30 years. You sat there, you got to this place. Why is this so important to you? Why are you chasing this miserable way? right? There's a reason why eat the performance six weeks, take a long break six weeks, then take a much longer break, like a really long time. For me, it was seven years. 
why do you consistently want this miserable way of being, right? And so what we're trying to expose you to is the real way it really works. The real way that smart people do it. The real way that if you are focusing on a balanced, joyful life, there's going to be a level of discomfort mentally because there's something mentally where you needed that, right? And, and dealing with that part, honestly, the joy choice probably isn't going to change that for you. You know, one of the things that happens, and I'll, I'll give you the last word before we shut it down. But um, one of the things that I think people need to be careful of when they read this book, because we did a review of Burn also, um, we're do doing sort of a review of this book. You have to understand that she's trying to talk to the broadest amount of people possible. Right. What Susan and I do is very specific, right? And we're addressing something. So hopefully what ends up happening in the case of, of people that read her book is they do land with somebody like Susan or myself, right? Um, because it will get frustrating if you start to build these habits, but within that habit, now you've attached weight loss to it, mm -hmm. right? Because that's what happened. People go, yes, I absolutely want the joy, but I also want a side of 20 pounds off, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, I don't remember that in the footnotes, right? Now, can it happen? Sure, it can happen because as you build these habits into your life, what other thing are we talking about? The thing that we've been talking about this whole time, effort is a component, right? So you, you, have, you have calories, right? Which can go down occasionally, but if they're, they're up most of the time, then, then you're good. You want to have enough calories so that you have effort. And then you also need to allow for some flexibility of weight gain that will actually support your long-term goals. And so if you've been dieting for a long term, a long time, and you lost 10 pounds, gaining 10 pounds might actually make you leaner because now effort is higher, calories are higher, you are now gaining muscle in that process, right? But that process mentally is going to be difficult if you've had that pin of 120 pounds in the front of your brain forever. And so when you buy a book like this, you have to understand it's, it's a bit like high school, right? Like, so in high school, you, you have your family over, they all have a party, they all give you $100 checks, this and that. Guess what? That's just the start. You just graduated to start, right? And so as you read these, these books, as you read Atomic Habits and all these different things, these are just the start of a greater journey that makes a more whole, a more whole you. The more simplistic everyone says it is, run far from that. And so I'll, I'll finish on this note. You can't say social media did this to me. You can't say society did this to me, right? Because the minute you say that, you now know you have a choice for society to not do that to you or for not for social media to not do that to you anymore. You can that from that moment on, 
you can make choices that take that distraction out of. And so that is what I really hope for everybody as you're listening to this. Yeah, I think that that really understanding that the pursuit is not perfection um, in, in anything that we do. Uh, perfection is impossible, impossible. There is no such thing. Excellence is a worthwhile goal. And I learned that for the first time as a, as a uh, modern dancer in New York City. Then I learned it again when I was working on my doctorate that excellence is a worthwhile goal. But to get to excellence, consistency means that you think about and mindfully make choices each day that may not, that are not restrictive and that may not, you know, get to the point where you had planned to get to, but you're at least one foot in front of the other. However, that gets you further to your goal. That's, that's what success really is. And we'll end on that note. I appreciate uh, this get together. I really feel like the expectation of these things for me is really more about quality than quantity, right? And I understand there's always a good amount of quality that comes out of this. So we will still try to, to get a, and be a little bit better. I know at least on my side, um, but I always appreciate the quality and I think the audience does also. It's a, always a pleasure, Paul. All righty. Bye, everyone. And I hope you enjoyed this one. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.